thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. As Sam said, I'm married to Chad Freegie, who's finally front row for me. Uh, we have four kids and are pregnant with our fifth. Um, Eden wasn't sure that y'all would know I was pregnant. She wanted to make sure I told you. So there you go. Uh, but Chad and I met 14 years ago at Baylor University. I feel like this is a review for a lot of you. Uh, but for those who I don't know, um, and when we went to Baylor, it was it's very much in what you call the Bible Belt. So a lot of people show up to Baylor. It's a Baptist university, and they're very familiar with Jesus and the Bible and how to follow him. And so um, Chad and I started to get involved in this church called Antioch. And the only way I know how to say it was that um, it felt like these people had the governor off. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the safety was off. And in a world where everyone's kind of doing the same thing, when someone, you know, like on the highway, like someone speeds past you, it takes your notice. And that's kind of how we felt. We were like, what are these kids doing? We're in college. And, you know, college is the most confusing time of your life. Like, what am I supposed to do with my hands? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And uh, we definitely wasted some time. But I feel like Antioch was the tool for catalyzing us into a group of people that just got free to run. Um, And I think that's the invitation from this series that we've been doing. Um, You guys are pretty familiar with it. Does anyone know the name of the series we're in? The gloves are off, so I get to finish it. And when I hear the gloves are off, I feel like it's this invitation to take the governor off, to take the safety off. And he's talked about lots of different areas of our lives, and today I get to end us with the gloves are off my mind. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I think of myself um, as a thinker and a processor, and I can get very lost in my mind and feel very trapped by my mind. And um, I need the Lord to teach me how to deal with my mind. Thankfully, I was raised by parents who um, taught me a lot of the stuff we're going to go over today. And um, not that I always put it into practice, but it helped me get free. And so that's my hope for you. I think as you hear this, there will be a lot of you who have heard many of these same principles. um, And you'll be like, she left out a million things. And then some of you who've never heard it before. So I just welcome you, like wherever you're at. There's a point for all of us to take away from this, and there's an action step, because our minds being renewed, our minds being um, set free to run how God wants them to run is a lifelong thing. I've never met anyone and been like, and they're done growing and and learning, you know, like we're all in this process together. Um, So I I think especially before I say this too, mental health is like a big issue right now, right, in in our nation and in the world, and I know that there are some very real challenges that can be faced with that, and the tools we're going to talk about today are just that, they're tools, and I I just want to bless anyone in the room who you're walking through medication or counseling or whatever and just say, these tools help you in that journey, and, and so they're just supposed to supplement. And then for those of us who are like, my mind's fine, these might be some great tools for you to find out your mind is not as healthy as you think it is. Um, I think the one thing about our minds is that it's the one thing that makes a distinction between us 
in all of creation. I've never heard squirrels debating whether socialism or capitalism is the way for the economy to run, right? Like, we are the ones who have this intelligent thought. And I think it's a gift from God. It's the Genesis 1 divine image-bearing part of us, that we have minds that think and that reason and that get to understand things. But they can also become a prison. I remember in high school, um, there was a poem I memorized, and the first line said, my mind to me a kingdom is. And like, I feel like every introvert is like, yes. But for me, I was like, wow, sometimes I'm like leading the kingdom, and I'm the prince of the kingdom. And then sometimes I'm totally enslaved in the kingdom of my mind, and I don't know how to get out. And I don't think that's God's will for our mind. I think he wants us to know how to harness this thing and how to use it for his glory. Bill Johnson says, he's a pastor in California, he says that the mind is a wonderful servant and it's a terrible master. So if you're in this room and you're like, I need to learn how to hold this thing accountable, today is for you. So you're welcome. Uh, we're going to open up, though, too, in Mark chapter 12. Jesus talks about this because he knows that our minds are the starting point for temptation and for deception and for worship. So they're really powerful. The thoughts of our minds are really powerful. And one of the scribes came up to him, and Jesus has just told one of them. They ask him a question. He responds, and he's like, you're quite wrong, which I love when Jesus is like, you're really wrong. Like, you've spent your whole life studying this thing, and I'm 30 years old, but I'm going to tell you you're really wrong. And then the next verse says, one of the scribes, we're in verse 28, came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So we can read this in our New Testament knowledge and just be like, great, he's responding, and they say he's answered well. But what we don't realize is that to the Jew, what he just repeated to them is called the Shema, and it's a prayer that they would pray multiple times a day. In fact, not only would they pray it, they would put it in little boxes in between their eyes, and then they would put it on the doorposts of their house. It, was, it, was a, it is still a very important prayer that people practice. So I want us to look at it. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is Moses, he's giving the law to the Israelites, to the people of God for the first time. And this is what it says. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so they took this very literally, and they would take the Shema, those first lines, the hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And they would put it inside of a mezuzah. Are any of you familiar with this? My mom had one. I don't know if it was kosher. Apparently it has to be kosher to, anyway. But we had one. And we put it on our front door. And inside, wrapped, was the Shema, the words of the Shema, which my brother apparently ate when he was like one years old. So he's taking the word of God very literally. Uh, but this prayer was really important. So when Jesus repeats it back to them, they're like, oh, he's, he's on our side. You know, like, he knows the law. He's repeating back to us the law. But we'll find that in the New Testament, there's inserted this word mind that's not in the Old Testament. 
And I was like, is he, is he repeating this incorrectly? Because they don't get upset, and you'd think they'd be upset if he's repeating the law incorrectly. But actually, the Hebrew word for heart and the Greek word, which we don't really know if Jesus spoke in Greek, it's like a whole headache, like what did he actually speak, Latin or Aramaic? But what he was saying when it was translated into Greek is mind. And the word mind and the word heart are actually similar. So we're going to look at that really quickly. The word heart in Hebrew is the word labab, and it means inner man, mind, will, heart, soul, and understanding. And Jesus says the Greek word dianoia, which is the mind as a faculty of understanding, feeling, or desiring. So this makes sense when I ask you in this room to raise your hands if you think of yourself as a feeler. Just raise your hand. No shame. I'm new stuff, fine, so I was like waiting for you. Okay, <laughs> how many of you think of yourself as a thinker? You think your way through life. Okay, it's great. Compared to different people, I am one of those, and I'm never sure which one, until I, I was on the phone with Heather Zanako, who's like the most perceptive person in the room. She like knows if you have a bad day when you walk in the room. And uh, I, I was talking to her, and I'd been talking for like 20 minutes about how I thought how I was feeling, and she's like, oh, so you're a thinker, huh? And I was like, I don't know. I just know this is how I'm feeling, and it's how I'm thinking, and it's leading to thoughts. And I think Jesus wants to deal with that whole part. So even if you're like, I don't really use my mind a lot. I feel my way through life. This is for you too, okay? So Jesus knows what it's like to be human. And I think that's why when he repeats this, the most important command is to love God with our minds. It's because he's walked now for 30-some years in a human body, and he understands that what gets attacked most often is this feeling, thinking, reasoning part of us. It's what the enemy comes after most often in us. And he wants us to know that we get to love God with our minds. And what I love about loving God, just like I think Crystal said it at the start of the service, anytime we choose to love God, it's choosing to worship. And worship is an act of volition. It's me using my human agency to choose to do something. And our minds gets to be places where we choose to worship God every day. So the New Testament has a word for this. It's called the renewed mind. Um, if you are familiar with that term, you probably know the verses that are attached to it. But a renewed mind is what we're going to talk about today. How do I love God with my mind? And the way we do that is by laying hold of this renewed mind. Okay? So we're going to look in Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. We're going to look at what happens before we know God and then after we know God. So, verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Gentiles, in this context, is just anyone who doesn't know God. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." So here we see, this is kind of a harsh verse. When we don't know God, our thinking is godless. So it's really futile. Because anything that's not done for him is, is empty. It's not going to last for eternity. We can build great things. We can do great things. But if we don't know God, our thinking doesn't have the same power. When we transfer over to thinking like God, there's this invitation in salvation to literally, and, and Paul says it in a letter, he says, you have the mind of Christ. But I want to say that this is not 
Um, this is, I think, why the church sometimes gets a bad rep is because they think everyone who thinks they know God knows God and is thinking like God and is speaking for God. So that's really confusing, right, to people outside the world because there are a lot of people who are not renewing their mind. And for me, it's not just a once-a-day thing. I'm talking multiple times a day. I'm asking for a renewed mind. There are things when we know Jesus that only Jesus can do for us. Only he can cover you with the blood of Jesus, declare you right with God. Only he can move you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son that he loves. And then there are only things that you can do, things that only you can do, that Jesus can't do for you. He can't choose not to sin for you. I wish he would. You know what I mean? He can't choose to love people for you. Another thing he can't do is he can't choose to renew your own mind. It's a choice that you have to make. Kind of makes me think about um, when I have to put CrossFit in here because I love it and my coach is here. But when I join CrossFit, you can look at pictures of CrossFitters and be like, there's a dramatic transformation in their physique right? And they look great. And I want to look like that. So I'm going to get a CrossFit gym membership. Chad's going to pay for it because I don't have money, but he's going to pay for it. And I'm just, I'm going to wait for the transformation to happen. You know what I mean? Like I'm a CrossFit gym member. I have the membership. He pays the dues. I'm not even in charge of that. So like, I'm just waiting for the transformation. And y'all would be like, you're going to have to show up. And then when you show up, your coach is going to tell you what to do, and you have to choose whether or not to obey, which sometimes I obey and sometimes I don't. And when when you go to CrossFit, the transformation that happens comes when you show up and you put in the work. And this is unfortunately how it is with a renewed mind. You can say, I have the mind of Christ, but unless you go in and you work it out, it's not going to benefit you. It's not going to transform you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we get a renewed mind. And what is a renewed mind? Um, I love that Romans 12 is what Andrew talked about a few weeks ago when he said, the gloves are off my standard. And he hit verse one, which is talking about my standard of worship, that I am the standard of what God's looking for in a living sacrifice. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But I want us to really focus on verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going we're gonna to look at that verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word that means conformed is a, a Greek word, systematizo. I can't say it correctly, but it means to pattern after. So it's like literally when you get a dress pattern and you cut it out and then you take it to the cloth. And, and Jesus is saying, don't pattern your life after the world. And this is a, an important thing to just note is you're not going to drift into a renewed mind. Like living in the culture we live in, you're not going to be like, and I have arrived at Jesus. You know what I mean? Everything is pretty much anti what Jesus says. Everything in the world is like, hey, seek your security, seek your happiness first, make sure you have all the money that you need up front, YOLO, you only live once. Jesus is like, live for eternity, give your life away. He might even ask you to give your stuff away. Like, you're not just going to drift into the system of God. (laughs) So we have to remember like, oh, I'm not supposed to pattern my life after the world. And this was a question I started asking the Holy Spirit a couple months ago was, Lord, how much of the culture is influencing who I am today? How much of like everyone else's opinions are shaping my beliefs about you? And how much of it is really you? Because I want it to just be you. 
And this is what being renewed in your mind is about, is taking your thoughts to him and being like, this is how I feel on this issue in society. How do you feel? Okay? So, the, so that, that word, do not be conformed. Do not pattern yourself after the world, but be transformed. This is the word metamorphosis. Um, and it's the word metamorpho in the Greek, but where we get metamorphosis. And I was thinking about this, how different a caterpillar and a butterfly looked. I remember being really stumped by this when I was little, just like they look nothing alike. And that's what we need to be. When we get to know God, we every year should be metam- metamorphosizing, Brittany? I feel like you're the smartest one in the room, so I'm looking at you. She's the surgeon. Uh, but we need to be changing enough that we look so different year to year because our minds are being renewed. And then the word for renew in this is anachinosis, and it means a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. So this makes me think of Chip and Joanna in Demo Day. You know how Chip loves Demo Day, and I don't know if you guys have seen the show, but Joe doesn't. She shows up really cute. She doesn't have anything to do with it, and he knocks down the walls. And this is what a renewed mind is, is being committed to demolition in your own mind. And if you've ever lived through a demolition, phrases, you know that it's not very comfortable. It, it ruins everything in your house, and it's a mess, and it's really hard to see where the vision is, and like, this was my kitchen, and now it's not my kitchen, and this was my bathroom, and now it's not, and what are you doing? And you want to like send everyone home, you know? That's how you feel in a renovation, and this is how you should feel in your own mind, is like, who can I trust right now? And I'm going to go to God, and it's a mess, and there's debris everywhere, but I know that I'm building something. I'm renovating something. So there's, the Bible has more to say about Demo Day. We're going to look at it in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy, now listen to what these strongholds are. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Okay, so what he's saying is we have power to destroy these strongholds, and these strongholds are really thoughts. That's fascinating. It's not like, he's not talking about fighting demons. He's saying in your own head, we have power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's a safe place that I've created in my mind for the enemy to operate from. He comes in, and he whispers a lie, like when I was little. I don't know why. I remember in first grade, this is me being real, real, tracking my weight and being concerned. So first grade, I believed, like, you're big, you'll never be small, blah, 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 whatever. You're not attractive, you'll never get married, you'll never have kids, because I was like the desire of my heart, clearly. Thank you, Lord. So but that was the lie I was operating under. And so anytime anyone would say, that girl's pretty, I'd be like, I'm so ugly. You know, like it became a running monologue in my head. Anytime someone rejected me, it, it, would, it would further insulate this lie. And so it, this lie was a stronghold that the enemy could come in and could shoot arrows at me from, in my own mind, because I've given him the real estate. Your mind is precious real estate to the enemy. And you know where your lies are. Sometimes you have to go looking for them. But I think some of us can identify the bigger ones and be like, oh, yeah, this must be a stronghold. Some of them are generational. Your parents taught you to view the world a certain way. So you have viewed it that way, but they might not have been right because they're operating from their own strongholds and their own weaknesses. And this is why we need to go after our minds with tenacity to tear down the things that need to be torn down. I got this picture of like squatters. 
So when like they were um, trying to populate the West in the United States, they would give land to people, and people would go to the land to claim their land, and they would find what's called squatters, people who just took up the land because no one else was there. And this is what happens in our minds. If we don't go and claim the land, the enemy is going to occupy it. So you need to get the squatters out. Everyone say, get the squatters out. You need to get it out. This is, this is how you take every thought captive. This is something my mom said to me all the time. And she would say, frisk your thoughts. Have any of you ever been frisked? Don't raise your hand. But you know that it's uncomfortable and it's very invasive. And we need to be that way with our thoughts. Just because you have a thought does not make it your thought. Does that make sense? I know that's very confusing. But if, I, Jimmy Seibert, who was here last week, would always say, it's like a tree in your backyard. You can't control what birds land in it. But you can control who builds a nest. You can't control sometimes the thoughts that come, but you can control what you dwell on, what you think on, and you have full rights to take every thought captive and frisk it and say, are you obedient to Jesus? Which means you have to know what Jesus is saying, which means we have to be deeply rooted in the word of God and we'll never escape that. We'll never escape the work of it. I remember when our son was sick, he was diagnosed with stage cancer in um, November of 2017. And I was in the basement and my dad was there, and he was helping me rearrange some stuff. And everything I did that Christmas, I was preparing for it to be Cade's last. And there was just like a, such a sense of heaviness. And it was like, this is his last this. This is his last this. And, and I thought that was a safe way to think. Because in case he died, I wanted to be prepared, right? I wanted, I wanted to prepare my heart for the loss. And I can remember it clear as day, the Holy Spirit like so loud in my heart said, stop making provision for his death. And it was this moment where, like this only happened a couple times where my emotions followed. He said it, and then my emotions actually lined up with it. And this is like what we have the privilege of when we know Jesus, he gets to speak into the middle of a lie when we really need it and we're really tunneling. And if we take what he says and we hold on to it for dear life, we're set free. And for me, that became a word over the year. I'm not going to prepare for his death. I'm going to prepare for him living. Okay, so how do we know if our minds are renewed? You know, it's not one of those things where we're left in the dark, thankfully. We're going to look at Romans 8. I know we're going through a lot of scripture. Can you hang with me? We're going to Romans 8. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Okay, so here we go. There are two options in front of you. On any given day is the running narrative in your head life and peace. That's a great way to know if my mind is renewed. Do I feel life and peace? Every Saturday morning, Chad and I wake up, and we're like, we are ready for life and peace. Our minds are so renewed. 20 minutes sitting with the kids being awake, one of them screaming and yelling, and I'm like, you are robbing my life, my life and my peace, right? Like, you are the one responsible for my mind right now, but it's actually me needing to renew my mind. God, thank you that children are a reward from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And like, this is work, but it will be worth it one day, right? That's me renewing my mind in a very practical way. For some of you, like, it, it's the anxiety that you wake up with every Monday morning. Are the bills going to get paid? Am I going to get the check in the mail today? Am I going to get the job today? Whatever it is, it's, it's you being aware. What is stealing my life in peace? And sometimes it's hard to figure out what actually took it, what thought is responsible for taking it. And it makes me think of 
Lindsay and I recently, we had um, an event called Testify, and we had all these name tags that came in the mail, and all of the, um, you know, what's it called? Thank you. Got caught together, and it was just this mass of knots. So I FaceTime Lindsay, who's normally, like, always totally fine, and she's, like, almost in tears. And she's like, I can't get these apart. I don't know what to do. And she's like, I've called Heather. And I'm like, you're going to solve it then, because Heather's the most patient person in the world. So we bring the lanyards to Heather, and Lindsay and I just talk as Heather's like, I think one of them is responsible for wrapping around this huge bunch, and if I just take time, I'll be able to identify the one, and I'll pull it out. And we're like, have fun. So for 20 minutes, Heather is, like, digging through the pile of lanyards. I've tried, like, five times, and I'm like, this, I don't, you need to order new ones. Like, they're done. And so Heather, she takes the time to be so patient, and she finds the one, she untangles it, and all of them come free. And, you know, Lindsay and I are like, that's why we're friends with patient humans. But this is the patient that we need in our own mind, in the tenacity to say, where is the thought that is causing the backup from life and peace? And, and that looks like a diagnostic tool, really great, Melissa Helser talks about it, is to go in your room with the Holy Spirit and say, what is really going on? And expect him to speak. What is really going on? The other day, someone called and said something. And I got off the phone. I was just so, like, irritable with everyone. And I didn't know why. And I couldn't even identify it. So I had to go in my room and be like, Lord, what's really going on? And he said, Karis, this person made you feel untrustworthy, which is a lie you've actually believed about yourself because I have a hard time showing up places when I say I will and I like to live my life spontaneously. He's like, but you have taken that as I'm irresponsible and untrustworthy. On the flip side, and this person you feel like made you feel that way again. And so you just need to agree with me that because I'm faithful, you're faithful. Because I'm giving you my character. So I was like, okay, Lord, I, like, I break agreement with the lie that I am untrustworthy. And I thank you, Jesus, that because you're trustworthy, I get to be trustworthy. And then I got to forgive the person, and I wasn't grumpy anymore. But it did take work. And this is why it's worth the work. Because who wants death? How many of you are like, I would like my mind to be set on death. That sounds great. And who wants life and peace? I love that like, God's not just like, hey, renew your mind because it's like what I want. It's because it's, it's best for us to renew our mind, to have life and to have peace. Okay, so I want to say how. How do we renew our minds? I've given us some practicals, but we're going to look at one more scripture in Romans chapter 1. And we're going to learn what to do by what not to do. Okay. So he's talking about people who don't know God. Romans 1, verse 21. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So we're learning what not to do. The first thing they didn't do is they didn't honor God as God. So if we want to set our minds on the spirit, we honor God as God. It's going to keep our thoughts from becoming futile. And, you know, back then it was like they were worshiping birds and animals. And we're so um, progressed now that instead of birds and animals, we've chosen ourselves. I am the God of my mind, right? I wake up on a Monday. I'm like, how do I want to spend this day? And if someone gets in the way of how I want to spend my day, my life in peace is gone, right? How do I want to spend my money? And if something gets in the way of that, someone asks for money, someone asks for me to, like, support them to go on the mission field, I'm annoyed. I'm like, why can't you work for yourself? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's the flesh pull of me saying, am I God or will I let God be God in this moment? And another time in, in treatment, I remember the first week um, after we'd found out about Cade, Brittany had just done his surgery and done amazingly, and I was leaving the hospital, and I felt my face. Have you ever felt your face? You're like, I look sad. 
And I, I, I was like, I didn't want to just like paste on a smile, but I just felt heaviness. And I felt like God said, I am the help of your countenance. Now that's a psalm. And so I was like, I know that it's a verse. And, and I was like, okay, God, you can be the help of my countenance. But I was kind of mad because I was like, I deserve to be sad. You know, like, can you just get off my back for like five seconds and like, let me be sad. But I felt like he said, are you going to choose to be the victim here and put yourself on the throne of how you feel? Or will you say, I'm still, I'm still in Jesus and he's the help of my face. Like he literally is going to help me smile today. He's going to help me have joy because his promises over Kate are still true. And this is what it means to honor God as God. When I honor him as God, I'm yielding my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. I'm not like getting on social media, seeing what everyone's saying that's like so politicized and trying to figure out what does Karis think? Because what Karis thinks is true. That's so silly, right? I don't know the full story. None of us do. We need to say, Lord, how do I honor you as as God with my thoughts? The second way that we learn what not to do is they did not give thanks. This is like such a simple thing. But if you want to set your mind on the spirit, you give thanks. Um, I've never met a very grumpy, thankful person. You know, like I've never been like, they're so thankful and grumpy. Like, it's naturally like helpful to be thankful. And I was talking to a friend recently, she had a job change and she's just like, man, every day on the way to work, I'm dreading life. Like I'm, I'm dreading it, I'm dreading seeing people, I'm dreading interactions. And I was like, I think the most simple thing we can do is just be thankful you have a job on the way to work. Be thankful your legs work. Be thankful you're breathing air. Be thankful your car works. And it was amazing, like a couple days later, she was like, you're right, being thankful was like a key. And I was like, That's, that is the key for us. When our minds are feeling full of death, what can I be thankful for? And that, that became such a helpful thing when Chad and I were in that season with our son. What can we be thankful for today? He's doing his thing. He's getting sick. But I'm thankful that I have a hospital I can go to. Thankful for modern medicine. Thankful for my three other kids who are healthy running around. And that thankfulness, it wasn't that I was thankful for what Cade was going through, right? We all heard this. I'm not thankful for the evil. But I am thankful for the things that God's giving. And this is how we honor God as God. We give him thanks. And then the third thing is super practical. And this is uh, going back to the verse about the weapons of our warfare. Remember, we have these weapons of warfare that are given to us to pull down strongholds. And one of them is in Ephesians 6. Paul takes time. He goes through the weapons. And one of them is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So this is why, why the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's not just cute words. It's because we need what my sister-in-law calls dagger verses. So when things in your life come to attack your mind, you have a dagger verse that you can plunge into the very heart of that thought. So whatever it is for you, and I don't know yours, I know mine, but whatever it is for you, if it's insecurity, if it's lust, memorizing verses, using the sword of the spirit and saying, I'm gonna go after this thought. You cannot take up space in my mind. You have permission to tell thoughts to leave. And we're going to do it together, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to give you an example. Last verse. You made it. We're going to Philippians 4, okay? Philippians 4. And we're just going to go through this together as if we were renewing our minds together, because why not? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Simple introduction. So right now, Lord, I rejoice in you. Not tomorrow, not when my situation improves, not when my stomach stops hurting, whatever it is, I'm choosing to rejoice in you. Why am I rejoicing in you? Oh, because you're faithful and you're beautiful and you're trustworthy and you have a good plan for my life and you love me and I'm rejoicing in the Lord always. Today, not starting tomorrow, I'm rejoicing now. 
Okay, next verse. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's particularly hard for me. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This actually means your reasonableness or your suitableness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The other day I was driving and I don't do well with injustice on the road um, with other drivers. And I like feel like it's my personal job to let people know when they're being an unjust driver. <clears throat> so this person swerved in front of me. They were like following me in a school zone in front of my kid's school and then like passed in front of me and I honked. And then I had to like just honk again, just to be like, no, that was so wrong of you, you know? And it was like a double honk. And <clears throat> it was that moment I felt so justified. I'm literally playing this worship song so loud. The kids are loving it. And I'm like, honk, honk. And then I like, you know, you get that moment of like someone sitting next to you and I look over and it's like the Holy Spirit and you're like, I know you're here. I just had to let them know. And it was so embarrassing, but it really was like, the Lord is near. Let your reasonableness be known to all. And the person in front of me flipped me off and almost got in a car accident while they were flipping me off. So I was like, that's on you, bro. But I'm <laughs> repenting in the car. But anyway, okay, so we're renewing our minds. The Lord is near, so I am not going to get lost in thoughts of anger. I'm not going to get lost in thoughts of hatred toward this person because the Lord is near. And because he's near, I don't want to grieve his Holy Spirit. You know, I don't want him to have to leave. I want him to stay close. Okay, next verse. Do not be anxious about anything except if you'll have enough money. No? Okay. Except if your wife is mad at you, which you should be anxious about that. I'm gonna, uh, no. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So an anxious thought comes, and instead of me just dwelling on it, I'm going to say, okay, God, how do I turn this anxious thought into a prayer? I am worried. And sometimes it is okay to be worried. I am worried that they have told me my son has stage four cancer. But instead of me sitting here being worried, which accomplishes nothing, I will bring it into the throne of grace where I find help in my moment of need. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm putting Cade's name in the courts of heaven. And I'm saying, would you redeem his life? And would you speak his name in front of angels? And would you send out ministering angels to heal him and to cover him and do whatever angels do? Because I don't even know and it's a mystery, but I invite them. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You have permission to actually say, I'm not allowed to feel anxious. You, you can say that to yourself in every situation with thanksgiving. We just talked about that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did you know that peace is allowed to come even when you don't understand? Some of us think, especially if you're a thinker, you think, I have to get myself to peace. I have to think myself all the way there. I have to figure out why I can have peace in this situation. And this is just permission to say that you're allowed to let the peace of God come, whether or not you've gotten to the end of a thought. Because his peace surpasses understanding and it guards your heart and it guards your mind from ways that I might, I might put God on trial, you know, until I've figured it out. Thank you, Steve, you and me. So the next verse, finally, brothers and sisters, my mom used to always say this to me, Karis, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if you start with the first word, whatever is true, it's not always helpful because right now it feels true that I'm uncomfortable and I'm very pregnant and I have a long way to go. That's a true thing. Or it's true that this person is actually really annoying. Or it's true, like, you know what I'm saying? So you have to go through the whole list. Is it not only true, but is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? That's where you're allowed to think. That's where you can land your thoughts. 
So that's just an example for you how we're going to renew our minds. We're going to renew our minds by honoring God as God. We're going to renew our minds by giving thanks. We're going to renew our minds by being people who actually have the word of God. He wants to speak to exactly what is plaguing your mind. And I would just invite you this week to start writing it out. Like make a list on the notes section of your phone. When things rob your life in peace, say, okay, this is, these are the kind of thoughts I'm thinking catalog them and then ask God for dagger verses to go after them to be prepared okay I want you guys to stand up our prayer team we want to thank you again for listening to this week's message if you'd like to connect with us further you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website www.antiochindy.com